0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Into the Adultverse podcast. We got another special one for you today. We got John Tesser or Jonathan Tesser, if you could prefer to go by John. Um, and uh, he's you know sort of a big deal on LinkedIn. He's uh, got a lot of followers, you know, um, and he makes a lot of really, really intriguing posts. And so just a great person to know. Uh, and so today we hope to talk to him a little about, um, you know, kind of what he does, how he got into LinkedIn, um, you know, his thoughts on professionalism in the workplace and sort of the future of work. Um, and then just a little bit about, um, you know, who he is as a person. So looking forward to a great conversation. And thank you so much, John, for for being on the show.
1: Wow, that was a really, really nice introduction, Flood. And, you know, I, I kind of, as they say, I, I'm kind of a big deal. You know? <laughs> I, I <laughs> really, really am. <laughs> That's the funny thing. I'm not at all. I'm <laughs> but cool. Yeah, I got a lot of followers on LinkedIn. It's like a big deal to me.
2: Yeah, as I said, um, thank you um, again.
1: appreciate Appreciate you guys having me on this, and I'm really looking forward. I've heard great things about this podcast, and looking forward to an uh, excellent conversation. <laughs> Perfect. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, it's yeah. wonderful to have a LinkedIn celebrity in the house. Um, celebrity. Definitely... <laughs> <laughs> it's a first for us, but hopefully the first of future menus. And um, what defines celebrity again? to you, Damien? Because I don't know. I don't know how this definition came about. <laughs> Honestly. I feel like if you're getting consistently over like a hundred likes on your posts, you're a celebrity in my mind. (laughs) Great stuff. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Then I'm
1: definitely a celebrity. Um, (laughs) uh, People did not like my joke post though, that got under a hundred likes this past weekend um, where I picked, I posted a picture of a Tesla and I also posted the fact that uh, I'm the equivalent of the CEO of Walmart and Melinda Gates. They didn't get the joke. (laughs)
2: <laughs> I saw it was really post. sad to be fair i enjoyed it um so you know it's nice that you're mixing up some <laughs> of the content like that
1: but i wrote it and i think i think cultural sensitivity around sarcasm is not part mm. of the linkedin ethos so i was like it's oh, fine. yeah and i just amuse myself people are like don't quit your day job it's not that funny i'm like i agree <laughs> i don't really care <laughs>
0: You should get into stand up someday, you know. I've heard it builds a lot of good social skills, but Oh my
1: god, that's frightening. Fuad, I want to see Fuad the the stand up comedian. Oh no, no, no. Awesome. That's definitely not that that's I can do potential. that. I could never do that. I think <laughs> that has a lot of potential. Yeah, I could see oh him like god. I could see him like analyzing and getting that like, you know, getting the sweet <laughs> spot of exactly when to deliver the joke and like it would be perfect.
0: Mm-hmm. It'd be perfect except it wouldn't be funny. <laughs> I'll
1: do everything. I not know, can man. You're a, you're a brilliant dude, so you would figure it out. This guy's got mind on him. He's a brilliant dude. Sorry, Damien. We haven't chatted before. So I don't know if if you're like the same level of brilliance as this Fuad. Absolutely not.
2: Absolutely not. Like I would Uh, say I'm just like an average top-of-the-bell curve kind of dude. So yeah. uh, No, I asked Fuad (laughs)
1: questions. I'm like, Fuad, what do you think of this? And I'm like, I'm waiting for his like measured response. And I'm like,
2: like seeking his (laughs) approval.
1: I'm like, did I do this the right way? Because I'm just like, there's so much. Brilliant there, and I.
0: Um, <laughs>
1: I apologize. You, do you, I don't know if you guys read my latest blog post, but I do this thing that I call compliment bomb bombing, where like whoever it is I'm dealing with, I'm just like <laughs> I can't help it. I just think you're so great, and I'm gonna let you know how.
0: <laughs> That's awesome.
1: That's so
2: cute. We <laughs> so, love
1: it. So so Fwad's getting compliment bombed like,
0: <laughs>
2: as we speak. Um, He's used to it. It's okay. Yeah, I'm not, yeah. I'm not probably not. No, oh my god, <laughs> I don't know what
0: to do with myself. <laughs> Hopefully by the end of this, we'll get Damien on the combo bomb too. Uh, yeah. But, but you know,
1: I mean, this is a podcast, so I don't know if we're gonna be able to I don't know if we're gonna actually. be able to
2: really learn much about
1: Damien after this. This is not but, about me. Uh,
2: Today John has a spotlight. So Oh
1: man, I'm gonna shut up and take the spotlight and let you guys ask what you need to ask.
2: <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, I think uh, you've already came in, you know, just like a wrecking ball into the podcast. You oh, made here. No, I know, I'm sure that a lot of personality on you. So we're looking forward to seeing what kind of answers we can tease out of you as well. Um, but just for the listeners, you know, how about you uh, just talk a bit about yourself for a sec? Um, just paint a nice picture of yourself for the audience so we can get to know you a bit better as well.
1: I love it. That's a great question. So I define myself as three things now. Um, it used to be two. Uh, I have three, (laughs) I have three professional identities right now, guys. So, you know, the identities, I'm starting to become a little bit fragmented in who I am, but let me Mm -hmm. share all three. So uh, first and foremost, I'm an analytics dude, which I don't think actually too many people know. Um, But my whole career has really been about analyzing data, finding insights, looking at Excel Mm -hmm. charts, um, and then telling meaningful stories out of that data. Um, I do really deep insight work, which means I look at data to find really interesting things to drive strategy. Um, Mm -hmm. If you look at my profile, I say as much. uh, 15 years of using um, data and insights to learn about people to improve businesses. That's that's how I describe the professional version of who I am. Um, you could also call it uh, online stalking, um, which means <laughs> using data around people's web behavior to understand who they are. But I mean, it is about people. So it's like, you know, I call my job professional stalking. And I think once I describe it like that, people understand what it is. And they're like, that's kind of creepy, but I get it. Um, <laughs> yeah, it is kind of creepy. And yeah, you do get it. Um, the second way I describe myself is this idea, and I talked I talked about this earlier on a podcast. But this idea of this career whisperer for young professionals, um, I have a really insane ability to within about 10 to 15 minutes of asking a series of questions um, and understanding some of your background pointing you in the right direction on your career uh, particularly for young professionals uh, mm-hmm. who aren't as clear as the direction they need to go as some older folks you know who are more established and have more experiences definitely and so this idea of being a career whisperer is really just like I know how to I actually have a method to help you figure out where you want to go and so a lot of the content that you see on LinkedIn, if you see me on LinkedIn is really geared towards this career whisper for young professionals. It's dealing with, you know, it's a lot of the stuff who i talked about uh, when we, we chatted initially, it's the, mm-hmm. the, the emotional side of being a you know, career, like how do I deal with, you know, the expectations and the imposter syndrome and the anxiety and depression and all this stuff. And right. you know, that's the career whisper side of me that, that really tries to help. Um, you know, people take young professionals, take their whole selves and put themselves into their career. Mm -hmm. And then the new final part of who I am, uh, is this is a new one, right? Like I, you know, it's this idea that, and, and Fouad I know is, is part of this journey for me as well. It's this idea that you can create good content on LinkedIn. And so how do you do that? Um, and I pride myself on the stuff that I put out there. Um, this may, um, it's really hard for me to not sound like a bragging piece of shit, but I'm going to say something where like, (laughs) I don't think I've ever put out a bad piece of content on LinkedIn since I've started posting. Everything I do is pretty well thought out. It's, you know, it has a point. It doesn't meander. It's meant to do something, either make you think or feel better or emotionally connect to it. And I'm really proud of the stuff that I do. So what I, you know, this is the third part of being John Tesser is how do I share my methods for doing this with the world and have other people create good content? So, um, yeah, that's, 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 that's me in a nutshell. I, I don't know mm-hmm. if that was much of a nutshell because it was like five that minutes, but um, <laughs> that's, that's kind of like how I would define my professional self mm-hmm. um, and what, what, where, I, where I've been going.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, that was perfect. That was a great answer. You're a very multifaceted guy. <laughs> and uh, we'll definitely delve into each of those things. And that's kind of perfect how you outlined that because Damien decided to kind of focus on your analytics experience. And I, I'm like, well, cool. we're interested in you know, your career whispering stuff. So this works out perfectly for for kind of our question set for you today, which I'm nice. sure you great. have no problem crushing. Um, so I'm going to yeah, crush um, <laughs> it. <laughs> why, don't we start, why don't we just go in the order that you mentioned with those three things? Um, sure. Damien, do you want to start off like asking about the analytics stuff? Yeah, go for absolutely. It.
2: So first of all, yeah, your LinkedIn profile is a gold goldmine. Um, I had no problem <laughs> just like prepping myself for this, just in perusing it. Uh, and I would highly recommend anybody interested in John Tester as an individual to check out his profile. We'll link all your socials at the end of the episode. But yes. you've spent, uh, according to your profile, well over 15 years now immersing yourself within that world of data uh, to learn more about consumer behavior. Mm-hmm. What have you learned along the way that surprised you?
1: Oh God, um, that's a really great question. What has surprised me? I think the most surprising thing to me um, is the inability of most data analysts to derive insight from data. Um, mm. It's it's so so. so I'm going to take this question in a different route. Yeah, um, uh, and, and the answer to this is something that I had been ranting and raving about in my early days of LinkedIn posting. But now that I've become more of like a spiritual kind of guy, I don't talk about it much. But mm-hmm. this idea that the world of data has changed a lot since when I first entered it. Right. So I was a web analytics analyst back in 2008 there were maybe like five of us, right? It was like, I don't know if you've heard the name, Avinash Kaushik, like I used like to, you know, I, that guy was everything to me. He taught me everything. I, I idolized him and he wrote, you know, he's a Google evangelist now. And, you know, there's there is this wild, wild west of digital analytics. and. And how do you derive insights? And there were all of these, you know, kind of like ragtag crew people like me in this world of data. And a lot of us came from social science and business backgrounds. And that's where I came from. Mm -hmm. I got an MBA and then I became a web analyst and a digital strategist, you know, using web analytics. And Mm -hmm. so my my orientation towards analytics has always been people oriented and business oriented, right? It's how do we take this to define the business and Provide the insights about people that move the business in the right direction. I'm telling this to some very smart guys here. Fuwa, Damien, you guys understand this concept of what I'm talking about. I think mm-hmm. the thing, you know, you asked me what shocks me, what surprises me is how few people are on this mission. Um, there's this move now within data. For more people from engineering and computer science backgrounds to call themselves data people as they move into data science and things like machine learning and artificial intelligence and areas that I couldn't give two shits about because at the end of the day, it's not really helping the business move in the right direction. It is manipulation of data in a way, but most people like, you know, are still not really understanding what the data means and they need people to hold their hand, essentially like you, know, you teach your children how to ride a bike, you have to mm-hmm. teach people within an organization, how do I interpret this data and make sense of it and do something with it? And mm-hmm. shockingly to me, there's a real dearth of young individuals particularly who are willing to go in that direction of hey what do i do with this data how do i make sense of it how do i tell a story so that others will respond to it and how do Mm -hmm. i ensure that there's like really cool stuff happening because i'm sharing stuff about the data um Mm -hmm. so that was a long way of answering that the world of data has shifted in fundamental ways that i'm not necessarily very proud of or happy about
2: interesting um the so kind of shifting the focus a bit more from the business side maybe to the consumer side a bit more Mm -hmm. Um, we are like Fwad and I of course representing the college students and Mm -hmm. we don't always tend to make the best fiscal decisions Mm -hmm. but aside from those spending habits is there anything that uh, college students as consumers should be aware of considering how frequently they tend to be part of that demographic I guess I don't
1: really understand your question. Does this have to do with data?
2: It could be. I mean, you can take this any way you'd like. um, But if you want to take it from a data route, um, what are some trends you've noticed, uh, perhaps from like the younger demographic, that they're kind of falling into? Perhaps like we're just falling into um, like certain marketing ploys, Hmm. um, things of that nature.
1: I think. So when it comes to the younger demographic, so I haven't, I haven't done money much study on younger people and data just to be really clear. Okay. Uh, That hasn't been my focus, but what I have, because to answer that the only time I really did deal with younger people and data was when I worked at, when I was at black entertainment television, working on the digital side, I spent a lot of time understanding the social media habits of younger folk. Um, And that wasn't as much around consumer behavior habits as much as it was around social media habits. So a lot of the work that I've done around young people and understanding them has been more about understanding them as opposed to understanding their consumer behavior. Um, So it's not a cop-out answer, it's that I'm not an expert on um, consumption spending habits of young individuals, Mm -hmm. I'm sure there are. A lot of people who can answer that question a lot more authoritatively than i and that's i think sure. that's one of the things i mean if you're learning something about me right now uh, i will not opine on a subject that i don't know a lot about mm-hmm. <laughs> and i will <laughs> defer the answer to say there's a lot of really smart people out there who probably know a lot more about this than i do
0: yeah for sure, sure. well i ca- kind of on that note then you know you seem to be taking more of like And a theme I've been getting is that you seem to be taking a more of a people-centric approach to data, right? Mm -hmm. And one of the problems with that is like, and you've you've talked about this, we talked about this in our convo, you talked about this on LinkedIn, is that, um, you know, these engineers and, you know, these data scientists that go into this field of data, like sometimes go into it, you know, AI and and those things are obviously important for manipulating data and being able to use those insights and things like that. But really what you advocate for is a people-centric perspective, right? That's correct. um, Are there any lessons that you think you've come across from your time working with young people that have helped you in your relationships with young people on a people-to-people basis? Oh, I mean,
1: hmm, that's an interesting question. So can you try and reframe that? Because I'm trying to figure out Mm -hmm. if I can answer that the right way. So you're wondering, has everything... like through my conversations with young people you're asking what in particular
0: so how have your like you know exploits in data and analytics informed how you interact with what, young people because you know you you talk a lot about working with young professionals uh, yes, and you, you know being right. really excited about working with young people yes. and we're going to ask you as well like what excites you the most about working with young people i'm you going to answer that. that
1: question in a way mm-hmm that's going to make a lot of sense. And I think it's a really good question now that I, now that I totally get it. Um, When I'm talking to young people um, and having conversations and learning about them, uh, whether you realize it or not, or whether I even realize it or not, there's always an analytic component to those conversations, which is where, what, what are the themes that I'm hearing consistently? What keeps coming up? What am I learning that people are sharing regularly, right? That, you know, that that is now informing me about who they are so that I can come to a conclusion that young people in general from whether it's this background or this thing do these things right. so that I'm, I'm using, not using young people, but I'm, I'm, I'm listening and I'm intently responding to things that I'm hearing from young professionals so that I can form my worldview and my, you know, subjective Approach to who they are, and mm-hmm. say fairly conclusively, this is what I think. Um, this is my—it's—it's it's the analytical approach, right? You're—you're you're constantly mm-hmm. experimenting. You're looking at data to match your hypotheses. You're looking to find insights. I'm using—not uh, using, but I'm having conversations and collecting data in my mind to say right. these are the things that I'm seeing. And I want to share this Um, just -hmm. to get off on a tangent for two seconds. I think you'll find this really interesting because these are my subjective, you know, experiences with the world. And I'm not I'm very quick to say that I am not an Mm -hmm. expert on anything. I just know that I'm an expert on what I hear for myself. Do you know the difference? Like I'm an expert that young professionals tell me these things and this is how I believe that they act. And this is my worldview that has come into clarity because of the conversations that I've had. And so you this this is a very important point to who I am. Right. When I'm writing something and I'm making a statement it's always based on data and facts and things that I can back it up with that I've gathered through conversations and things that I've heard and that mm-hmm. I've put through the lens of insights. So when someone comes and attacks me, which happens a lot, and you know people see this on my posts, sure. um, I don't <laughs> tend to engage them because the worldview that I have is my worldview and I'm not really up to debate it. I'm presenting something. I'm not looking for people to change my mind on that. Is that a closed mindset? It's absolutely not because what I'm presenting is a subjective view of how I see the world. Does does this make sense? It's why I can't engage people in debate with the stuff that I'm writing on LinkedIn because Mm -hmm. I'm stating something that I see. And Mm -hmm. you can't argue with my subjective experience of the world because I'm not open to it because it's my subjective experience of the world. Mm, exactly. It's not It's not something where I'm saying, what do you think? What's your advice about this? It's I've formed this opinion based on what I see and what's subjective to me. And I'm just sharing that. Mm-hmm.
2: So mm-hmm. kind of just piggybacking on that for a second. Um, so basically with what you're saying about using your analytics background and experience to collect and amass all this data and then using that filter of insights that you have developed over time to take a unique POV to things. um, How have you over time systematized that process of thinking differently?
1: Oh, wow. I haven't. Um, And it's Mm -hmm. funny that you say thinking differently. It's just it's just my way of thinking and it's my way of doing things that, right. you know, it's mm-hmm. how I organize the world, right? We all have our things that we do. It's not something that we, you know, consciously process. It's just how we choose to look through the world and the way that we organize things. It's a great question, right? Cause it's like, how did you organize that? And I'm like, I, I haven't really, it's just, I've taken this approach, this systematic analytical approach, this test and mm-hmm. learn and try and do, and you know, all of that and and apply it to all areas of my life so that when I do speak, I feel mm-hmm. like I'm coming from a fairly authoritative place, at least in my mind, that I'm saying mm-hmm. something that has been mm-hmm. thought of. And so if you're going to try and change my mind on that, you know, I'm essentially going to challenge you to say, did you also think of it as much as I did? <laughs> and come and, right. and really pick apart what I'm saying
0: right, right, based right.
1: on the fact that you came to a conclusion based on your own object, subjective experience with something that is, you know, to me, something I've spent a lot of time on and a lot of mm-hmm. reflection on.
0: Mm-hmm. It's, it's sort of like the whole argument where, you know, everyone's entitled to their opinion, but everyone's entitled to their educated opinion and their informed opinion. You know what I mean? Like if you haven't done any of the background research, Debating a topic isn't really going to be productive, right? And it's just Fouad, going to be why a, do you
1: think I have so much respect for you? Because, <laughs> again, compliment bombing is about to happen. Fouad is a <laughs> rare individual who also, I think, approaches the world in a very similar fashion. I hmm. think Fawad really sits. I think he gathers data. I think he looks at a problem from 600 different directions. And he's not going to open up his mouth until he's really thought through... What is that way that I can say something so that it's going to be really impenetrable to get through my argument? Cause I've thought of it in this, these different ways, right? Mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. you and I have that 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 ability in common. And it's why I have so much utmost respect for you and your intellect. Thank
0: you. Yeah, no, yeah. I really appreciate that. And I've really, really enjoyed um, you know, the discourse we've had in the
2: past and hopefully we'll continue to have in the future.
0: Sorry, Damon, I cut con- you off. Please go yeah. ahead.
2: I mean, if yeah. I can just hop on that uh, compliment bombing for a second, too. Uh, one thing I appreciate that you do really well, I think, is that you force yourself into different POVs in educate in um, like reading all the books that you do, um, seeking to find these predominantly, I think, human humanitarian POVs, and you're constantly putting yourself in other people's shoes and forcing yourself in those different mindsets. Has from what from my experience, from like learning and growing with you, it's been crazy seeing like the different insights you've gained through that experience. You so talking to, to me? Fraud. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely on
0: me. I'm, I'm taking a break from this compliment bombing. Oh, it's your turn. Me.
1: Oh, compliment bombs. Oh, I love that. That's like the best compliment I've ever heard, Damian. That's why I thought you were talking mm. to Fawad because I was like, I can't <laughs> accept that. That's so nice that you're saying that to me. Mm-hmm. And I think I think you nailed it, Damian. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things I'm most proud of is I essentially take a non-judgmental view towards humans. And what I mean by that is your subjective experience is your subjective experience. I will never question that. You can say, and I've said this to people on conversations. You can say whatever you want to me. You can say, you know what? I worship at the god. Uh, I worship at the feet of the rabbit god Zagulu, and I'll be like, you know what? That's cool. Tell me more about Zagulu. I'm not going to mm-hmm. sit there and judge and say you're crazy. I'm going to say mm-hmm. there's got to be a reason that you love Zagulu, right? Like this is Nothing. this is my inherent approach to humanity, and it's the reason that I am able to talk to people cross culturally is that I care. more more about learning about their experience and who they are and absorbing that. And like I said, empathizing and stepping into their role as who they are. Then I care Mm -hmm. about like saying, well, my judgment of the world is better than yours. And, and I'm going to force you into thinking what I do. Right. I'm Mm -hmm. never going to do that in a conversation. And I think, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. again, I think it's one of the reasons that people are drawn to what I write about and to what I say is because they recognize that that's there. That it's this non judgmental way of looking at the human race is saying, like, we're all in this together. We're all gonna be okay. We're all messed mm-hmm. up. We're all great. And that, you know we have a lot to learn from each other and other people's subjective experiences, the things that they've subjectively experienced as their own. And Mm -hmm. that's how you learn about different cultures and that's how you grow. And so it's really, really is the ultimate compliment when you say to me, Damien, that you see that in the work that I do and that's reflected in who I am and that there's a humanistic side to what I'm trying to say, which is, you know stop with the judgments, stop thinking you're better, stop thinking you're worse and start listening and enjoying, start Mm -hmm. relishing other people and what they tell you and start to see it as a gift. When someone tells you something about themselves that you're learning a about them and you're learning about an experience that's different than yours. Mm -hmm. That's Yeah. 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 I view it as a gift. I view it as a constant, um, I, I, that's why the compliment bombs do happen. And that's why they're, they're <laughs> genuine because I genuinely am excited by people's experiences. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, Absolutely. and so, right. I, I don't want to you know, riff on this topic too much, but I think it's why I have a very hard time being attacked for the things that I say, because mm-hmm. I'm inherently, you're attacking a worldview that, that I view as humanistic and as <laughs> empathetic and mm-hmm. as, you know, just open-minded. And you're saying, but you're not those things. And that's hard for me to handle, to be really honest, if we're going to get vulnerable for a second, Mm -hmm. Uh, that's, that's the difficulty. That's the dark side of, of having a massive platform is that people are going to attack you and they are going to come after you and they are going to make it personal. And it happens to me and you know, you have to figure out ways to handle that, or you have to just walk away. Yes. The more popular you get the more people are really going to come at you even though they don't know anything about you mm-hmm. <laughs> and i'm assuming that if i had a conversation with them the same way that i'm talking to Fuad and Damien, mm-hmm. they would never come at me that way because mm-hmm. they would see i'm just gonna sit there and listen and recognize and being
0: like yeah okay you've had a tough life <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> you it out on me but you know sorry
0: <laughs> yeah so, dude that's that's absolutely. so beautiful and i think you touched on so many points but i think you know, one of the things that you touched on is that how you really, first off, try to put yourself in other people's shoes. And by doing so, you know, you can really understand their journey. And I think one of the number one ways in which you're able to do that is through your kind of like contact and your career whisperer status with young professionals a lot. Um, And I know that, you know, you've talked about working with young professionals a lot on LinkedIn and how you're really, really excited about working with young people. And I think to your credit, you know, you're one of the few people that I've met at least, or, you know, seen on LinkedIn who's, you know, like, of the older generation, but is able to understand our process, our, you know, our thought patterns, like our trends and things like that. Right. And so my question for you is, uh, what got you excited about working with young people?
1: I mean, I wrote, I just wrote a, I wrote a blog post about it and I was very honest about it. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's worth, it's worth hearing this because this is, this is the full John Tesseron scale, right? Like I start with something and I'm like, oh, I did it because like, I really couldn't stand you guys. (laughs) I thought you were entitled. I thought you were arrogant. I thought you were immature. I thought you were selfish. I wrote this, all of this stuff. And I said, I'm here to be the stern older guy who's going to put you in your place. And I don't empathize with you much. Mm -hmm. I don't really care about your experience. I have things to teach you and I want you to sit down and learn it because I know more and you don't know shit, right? Okay, Mm -hmm. excuse me person apologies um (laughs) and so what happened over time is my natural like the empathy came through and and i started having conversations and i started to really understand your experiences and and the 180 happened and i actually started to think my god these people are fantastic um they are dynamic they are open-minded Um, They're way more emotionally mature than I ever was. Um, They're willing to talk about feelings and things that bother them and open up about things in ways that I never could. And I started to really just just have an admiration for young folk. And this is really people between the ages of 18 to 25, where I said, wow, I really admire you. And I really want to help you because I see so much genuine good from what you're doing. Um, And so that was one side of it. And then I wrote in the blog post, the other side of it is, uh, here's the fact of the matter is I'm an old dude. And I feel like an old dude. And I have the two kids and I have, you know, my beer belly that won't go away. And I'm older, (laughs) and you know, and, you know, start things start to get sort of stale as you get older. And, (laughs) <laughs> and there's a, there's an optimism and an energy and, and, a, you know, I'm essentially I'm drinking from the fountain of youth when I have conversations with Fuad and Damien and all the other people I talk to, you feed my energy and make me feel more alive. And <clears throat> part of it is, you know, by spending time with young people, I get, Benefit from it, right? It's not altruistic, but I benefit from your energy, and I benefit from the fact that you just giggle and laugh, and you're not <laughs> embarrassed by it, and and you know you get excited and and you cry, and there's emotions, and I'm like, I love this world that you guys are living in. It's so mm. pure, and it's so it's so joyous and joyous mm. in, the, in, the, in the sense that it's 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 you know it's something that I want to partake in and, and enjoy with you. And so it really is this duality of, of, of wanting to help, of feeling a natural kinship and bond to you. And also um, this idea that I'm drinking from the fountain of youth every time I have these conversations. And it, it helps me to keep my energy up and to make me feel great about where the world is going.
2: <clears throat> awesome. That was a great yeah. Yeah, it's, it's insane seeing that mindset shift from you know, first you're, that, you're the old guy on the lawn yelling at the kids to get off of it. And now we're all playing together, right? Um, we are. We're, we're all in it together.
1: And again, this is the growth process yeah. that I'm talking about. It's why I have a very hard time. Like, I'm not going to admit to anybody, oh, well, I want them all to get off of my lawn until I've gone through a growth process where I'm like, can I test that hypothesis and see if it works? Right. Mm-hmm. It all comes back to the insights thing that I'm talking about. But I am I think a huge part of being me and a huge part of growing is, being a human is this ability to own up to those mistakes and, and own up to those things that you saw the world in this way and, and say, here's how I'm growing. Here's how I'm looking at. Here's how I'm progressing. And, you know, that's something that that's <laughs> I actually made a post about that today on, on LinkedIn, uh-huh. where I said mm-hmm. class of 2020, you know why I'm proud of you? Not because you all got jobs at Google or Tesla, but because I'm seeing you guys accelerate your growth process and your self-improvement in ways that makes me really proud because of the difficult circumstances you have and it's a message that really it really resonated with you guys you're like that's a great looking at it you know Mm -hmm. that that the 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 adversity that you're facing is actually a great fuel for growth and resiliency that you're learning at a fairly young age
2: Mm -hmm. um and kind of just building on that a bit so you, of course, one of your missions right now is to help early career professionals find this idea of career happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just curious to hear your personal definition of career happiness. Flow moments. Um, finding Ooh, things out
1: that are fun. Um, getting excited about going to work. Um getting excited about the direction you're heading and solving problems that you're excited about something that energizes you and that you wake up and you're like i you know what my job kind of sucks sometimes but i'm so happy to go into work because there's a mission that i really want to accomplish and i feel great about it because it feels really aligned with who i am that's the idea of career happiness isn't to be you know isn't to always be in a blissful state the idea of career happiness is to say, I'm really satisfied with the work that I'm doing because it aligns so well with who I am. And that I'm able to enter into what I call these flow moments, these 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 moments when you're so enwrapped in what you're doing and you enjoy it so much that there is no other way for you to approach it, right? Mm-hmm. And that's that to me is what what career happiness is particularly for young professionals it changes as you get older right when you're between Mm -hmm. the ages of 22 to 28 it's really about finding those tasks and those those things that you just enjoy doing whether it's computer programming whether it's writing marketing copy whether it's doing product strategy right you find these things that you enjoy and and you know you do them um that's that's career happiness for young professionals. Again, it changes as you go through your career. What mm-hmm. excited me when I was between the ages of 22 to 28 doesn't excite me now. You can see that what excites me and what gets me passionate is this idea of giving back and making sure that I'm leaving my legacy and making sure that my passion for what I do is getting passed on to the next generation so that they feel the same thing and then they pass it on, right? Mm-hmm. So, so things right. change and 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 goals change and missions change as you get older.
2: So in the spirit of giving back, um, is there any advice that you would give to your 22 year old self?
1: Yeah, man, a lot of advice. (laughs) Um, 22 year old John was a bit of an arrogant asshole. Um, He didn't want to listen to anybody. Um, He was a really smart guy and he always had an opinion and he wanted everybody to listen to it, but he didn't know how to uh, (laughs) share it with anyone. Um, in a way where they would actually listen to it. Um, this is fun actually going through the, the old 22-year-old John. Um, <laughs> he didn't really have any idea what to do with his career because he never really thought about career and relation to himself. Mm -hmm. Um, all of the things that I'm trying to help you guys with, it's like, I am trying to like make up for wrong times for 22 year old John. Don't be an arrogant prick. Don't be so selfish. Like have some idea of who you are so you can go into your career the right way. Find out what those flow moments are. Think about the things that you enjoy. Actively put yourself in your career rather than blindly follow what someone else tells you to do and what's the right path. Those are things that I would tell the 22 year old version of me. who you know it's, it's, it's nothing in common with this version of me
0: <laughs> i love it i love it i wish i could have met the 22 year old you because uh would have just like
1: made you know made had opinions about things and told you you were wrong and stomped off <laughs> <laughs> i love to be challenged
0: i love to be challenged um no it's really good advice and i think you know that applies to all young professionals and that's really cool um you know kind of going on that note and one of the ways in which you've been you know, using your platform is is um, helping to create better content on LinkedIn as well, right? right? So That, that comes along <laughs> with the mentorship aspect, right? Because yes. not only are you making content for other people to advance in their career, but you're helping people to make content for other people to advance in their career, right? It's kind of meta in that right. sense. Um, it is so meta you know, in that sense, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so we talked about this on our last call, but, um, you know, I think there's a lot wrong with LinkedIn and so do you. And there are a lot of ways we can go about fixing it. Um, but my question to you and for the audience is, you know, we talked about, uh, things like long form content and I know you're getting more into medium and we'll link your medium in the description of this episode. Cause I think it has some fascinating reads, but, um, uh, what do you think needs to change the most about content on LinkedIn? You know, we have all these clickbaity things. We have all these, you know, like struggle porn and things like that, but what do you think yeah. needs to change the most about content on LinkedIn?
1: I mean, you know, Fouad, you have you are a, you know, let's, let's go back to you for a second. You can answer this question as well as me, but I'll answer it. And then I want this to be a discussion with us because I have ideas as to what needs to change. But, you know, when I see a Fuad post or I see something that's good content Um, again, good content it has thought behind it. Um, It's, it's easily digestible um, which means that it's easily digestible, but it, it challenges you. And so the, the the really difficult thing about writing well on LinkedIn, and this is something that if you're writing good content on LinkedIn, it's something that you have to try and think of, is how can mm-hmm. I use the least amount of words to make the most impactful point? Right. Mm-hmm. One of the best posts I ever wrote was about myself as an analyst. I don't code, right? I don't know Python. I don't know SQL, but I'm an analyst. <laughs> And, you know, there was something about this that really resonated with people, right? That, that you don't have to know code, you don't have to know SQL, that doesn't define right. you as an analyst, it defines right. you as, as a, you know, there's other things, but it was like maybe literally 15 words. And so I'm presenting, this is one of my favorite pieces of content, because I'm presenting a very complicated idea, which is you have these preconceived notions of what an analyst is, and I'm saying, I'm not those things, I'm this. And I do it in a way where I'm challenging you to challenge my worldview of this and open up mm-hmm. a debate and people really responded to that it was an emotional plea and a thinking plea at the same time. So right. good content says a lot with very little it's it's Ernest Hemingway if anybody reads books like mm-hmm, it's, mm-hmm. he's he says as much as he can as he as he does with very few words. This is something I don't see LinkedIn creators doing very much and. Again, beyond the struggle and mm-hmm. beyond the obvious career tips and all of that, I don't see people really challenging thinking in a, in a way mm-hmm. where they turn conventional thinking upside down and say, here's something that you haven't considered, right? right? Or they present ideas, right? Like for what we talked about this, like getting your idea of like, what is emotional intelligence training mean for software engineers, having a software engineering perspective on that, that's mm-hmm. unique content. We're not given personal stories that are going to allow us to take on different ideas and, and connect them to our lives. It's just not something right. that I see on the network. Mm-hmm, and so, mm-hmm. again, these are this is what this idea of good content is. And I'm yeah. glad you teed me up for this, Fuad, because the next part of what I'm trying to do with my career and how I want to help young professionals and, sure. and older professionals and any professional, really, is mm-hmm. how do you go on to LinkedIn write good content and have it be a part of your personal brand? How do you take your subjective experience, right? I talk about my subjective experience all the time. Right, right, right. Your subjective experience, put it onto paper in the most, you know, maximally effective way and create an audience that is going to resonate with what you're writing. So it's essentially teaching, it's teaching people that, Content writing on LinkedIn isn't to get engagement. is isn't getting people to like, you know, 5,000 likes or whatever. It's a personal journey into how do I express myself and my relation to work in the written medium of LinkedIn with the limitations that you have, right? It's like trying to teach someone how to tweet. How do I do this effectively so that I'm I'm making good content that accomplishes these things that I'm saying? Mm
0: -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, that's great, and yeah, like you mentioned, I, you said you wanted this to be a discussion, and so I'll give my thoughts on that too. Like, I think the biggest thing that you mentioned was was definitely this like idea of when I when I go on LinkedIn, what I want is I want new ideas, I want things that's to fun. challenge how I think, I want things that's to right. enrich how I think, and I'm not gonna get that with a bunch of software engineers with the same experiences talking about their career tips on how to get a job at Google, right? <laughs> that's not like. That's not it's useful so number no one. Number two, that's systematized. Like it's very obvious. You know, there are very right. clear A B C steps for anybody to kind of do this from any background, right? And you know, that's obviously right. privilege plays a factor into it, but well, we won't get into that for now. We won't but, get into but, that. You know, but yeah. 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 That's a whole discussion. But you know, your point being like, you know, why would you even use a platform like LinkedIn? Like what it what would be the the purpose of somebody going on there and actually scrolling beyond like entertainment or like and, you know and inspiration. I'm going to be
1: real honest with you. I I don't go on the platform to scroll because there aren't enough Fawads out there who are writing interesting things, right? There's not enough of me out there. I'm going to put myself in the category where you're constantly trying to push the envelope of what it means to write good things and have people think. Mm -hmm. And so why am I going to scroll through a feed when I can read, you know, a psychology journal or I can, you know, read like some sort of, I don't know, biography or something where, where I'm learning, like you said, learning new concepts that right. are helping me. Why do I need to go to LinkedIn for that? LinkedIn mm-hmm. is supposed to be a place, like you said, if I'm going to read good content there, it's because somebody expressed something that I hadn't thought about based on their subjective experience. Right. That's really is the amazing.
0: subjectivity. Yeah. Yeah. It's the subjectivity.
1: The key isn't five tips to get a job at Google. Oh my God. It makes me want to Blow my head off when I hear that, yeah. right? So yeah. That's been done five hundred times. It's not interesting. Does it get engagement every time? Sure. People are sheeple, right? Like fine, <laughs> but but is that good content? Absolutely not. Absolutely yeah. not. And and yeah. it, you know the problem with the LinkedIn algorithm is that it rewards this shitty content. Some of the good stuff's getting behind. We have to figure out ways to curate good stuff and, and bring it up in the algorithm so that it's seen more. And that there are communities of people creating good content that are causing really interesting discussions so that we can make the network better. Mm -hmm. And is it happening? No. Am I a crazy megalomaniac and I think it can happen?
0: (laughs) Yes. I, I mean, that's great. And like, I think it's a positive mission to be on regardless, even if it doesn't happen or it does happen, you know, I think anything we do in the right set, like in the right direction is is a net positive in that sense. Um, and I think one thing that you mentioned, you know, is that, you know, the, the true purpose of LinkedIn is to have that subjective experience, right? Like, that's if right. I don't understand where you're coming from, your post means nothing to me, because I would just go read some research on that subject instead, you know what I mean? Correct. So if you don't imbue that with some sense of personality and some sense of, you know, like... Genuineness, then it's it's pretty much impossible to read. Like I'm sure you've read the posts as well. Like you know, reading a statement of facts or like a resume, you're you're pretty much putting your resume on LinkedIn, and that's not what you know the community aspect of LinkedIn is for, right? Uh, But I think one thing that a lot of young professionals struggle with. Um, and myself included, is sometimes you know it's hard to be genuine when you when you feel things like imposter syndrome, right? You don't sure. feel like you're qualified to talk about things like that. So, you know, sure. what advice do you have for for young people who you know are looking to add a little bit more of their genuine perspective and you know their subjective experiences, but aren't sure uh, whether that has like merit? In in, in start, on the start to say, I'm not sure that it has merit. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's 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 true because I've
1: seen some. One of the things that, and and I'm glad you touched on this, Fawad, because one of Mm -hmm. the pet peeves I have with young professionals is I see 21-year-olds on the platform that have fairly big followings, and they're telling people how to be professionals. And as an older person, this gets back to my original stereotype of what I think of as young professionals, right, why I want to teach you a lesson you don't know that and that's cool right it's cool that you don't know that but what you do know is your subjective experience and what you've been through you know what it's like to be an intern in publishing you know what it's like to be an intern working with a bunch of Harvard and I mean MIT people and you know how that feels you know what it's like to be an immigrant living in Canada or having a second generation family you know Mm -hmm. a lot of things there are things that you know because you've lived them. You don't mm-hmm, need to go mm. on LinkedIn and start offering advice. In fact, if you read any of my posts, I have never offered a single piece of advice, even when I'm offering advice. It's it's a, like <laughs> a little bit of a trick of the mind, right? Yeah. I write things, but I'm not telling you to do something ever. I am mm-hmm. never saying, go do this and this will happen. I'm saying, aha, idea. And that's the key to young professionals being on this network, which is I'm comfortable in gray areas because I don't know the answer, and the imposter syndrome then goes away because you don't feel like when an imposter I don't know, and you present an idea and like I don't know either. What do you all think? And it becomes a shared experience of young professionals rather than these are the five tips I took away from. Sorry, but that drives me crazy. It really mm-hmm. does. There's this There's this trend that, that you have to go on to LinkedIn and be seen as an expert and be seen as knowing something. And that is not relatable content. Mm-hmm.
2: You don't mm-hmm. know.
1: And that's great. It's great that you don't know. And the quicker you own up to this not knowing, the better your content is going to be. I think you also teamed me up here, which is mm-hmm. I have content mentees that I work with. And the first thing that I have done with all of them is to get them out of this mindset of the I know and into the mindset of I'm presenting me and I'm presenting a full version of me with emotions and ambivalence and things I don't know. And I'm presenting you with me and how you choose to take that me is not up to me. But I'm going to present it to you in a variety of different ways. And this is the menteeship, And this is what my course teaches. And this is where I'm trying to push young professionals into looking at content on LinkedIn. And you understand why the imposter syndrome goes away when you do this, right? Because you don't feel like an imposter when you're like offering advice about shit, quite frankly, you don't know about because you don't have those experiences. So how mm-hmm. could
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. And it seems that being genuine is like a shortcut to good content. And again, like kind of just backtracking a bit to what you said, Fouad, about like having the merit behind it. And I think like our our Mm -hmm. driver behind starting our own podcast when there are thousands, if not tens of thousands of the podcasts out there is that we are our own niche we have this own unique set of experiences that is uniquely us and other people can relate to that. We are not talking about other people's experiences, but we don't have that base of experience or expertise to do that. Um, So I think that's why people keep coming back to listen to our content or John's content. Um, But we are almost out of time, John. So in keeping up our tradition of our final question, I have to ask you, if you could put any one message on a billboard and it would reach millions of people, what would it be and why?
1: Oh, I got it. You're okay as who you are. Now go find out who you are.
2: Oh, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's a little head scratcher.
0: Yeah, let me think about that. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's a good one. So what are you trying to get out of that message?
1: Life is about exploring who you are And whoever you are at any given moment is okay. It's not something to beat yourself up on. It's not something to judge. It's not something to be critical. It's something to love. It's something to cherish. It's something to admire. Um, And it's at the same time acknowledging that the you that you're growing into lasts a lifetime.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Yeah. I think I've, I've definitely being guilty of that where I'm like, I I think so long-term sometimes that I I ignore the short run version of myself. And I'm like, you know, like, you know, I have so many things to improve on. It's not even worth reflecting on myself right now. I just need to try and get to that place first and then I'll reflect on it. You know, never
1: ever get to that place. Exactly. On the you who you are now, the you who you are now is going to be, you know, you're going to build on the you who you are now and become the you who you are later. If you're ignoring who you are now, um, you're missing out on your own experiences.
2: Mm, We're a work in progress in perpetuity. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, we are out of time for today's episode, and uh, we have some places to be, John. Thank you so much for your incredibly valuable time and the ton of value that you have provided to us and our listeners today. Um, Are there any final thoughts you would like to leave us with before we sign off?
1: This was really this was a great conversation, guys. And you got a really great podcast going on here. I hope people check this out and uh, uh, really enjoyed our, our time together. So thank you.
2: Mm-hmm. Where can thank people you. find you?
1: Uh read my blog. Um it's medium.com slash mauler one oh one, I believe.
2: We'll link, um, we'll link it. Yeah, we'll link it, yeah.
1: You'll link to it, guys. You'll link to it in the podcast. But I, I think to really understand who I am and what I'm about, you have to read the blog. Um, mm-hmm. The stuff on LinkedIn just isn't going to gonna
0: cover it. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Sean, once again. You know, it was a great conversation. And I hope to have more of these with you. Very, very happy you reached out. And, like, you know, I'm so lucky that you were even able to come on this podcast. Uh, Quarantine okay. does have some blessings in disguise. So, luckily, exactly. Vinicius has be great for that. <laughs> <a> great <laughs> podcast. Thank you, guys. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Cheers and have a great rest of your day. All right.